0: Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to the uh, Sunday morning edition of uh, From the Roads uh, Recording Studio at Home. Hope you're doing good. Hope you've had a good rest of the week. We are doing well and uh, excited to bring you this, uh, this next installment in our, re- in our restored uh, series that we're doing. This morning we are talking about being restored to purpose. And uh, we begin this morning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Let me read it to you and then we'll pray. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your presence, for your goodness. And Lord, I am so thankful that you have you have created each of us with a purpose. We are not here for... Uh, Uh, Just for no reason, we have been created by you, each individual divinely created by you to uh, accomplish things, to benefit things, to bless things. And I pray this morning, Father, that you would speak to each heart, direct us, shape us, mold us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, thank you so much for being here. Let me get you to do something right now. I know others have already asked you to do so, but share this stream. If you haven't already done so, share this stream right now. I want you to notice something uh, as we look, as we have looked through this uh, restored series of messages. Now, let me, let me catch you up if you, if you haven't caught all of these. We began this series uh, on Easter Sunday. And we talked about the fact that in the resurrection of Jesus, we have been restored to some things. We have been brought to a place where we have regained, not all, but many of the things that Adam lost in the fall of man. And in the resurrection, in the, in the sacrificial death of Jesus and in His resurrection, we've been restored I want you to notice something that you may not have noticed about the creative order of the Genesis account. In order to do that, I want you to read with me from Genesis chapter 2, verses 5, 6, and 7. Let's read that now. It says this, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Did you catch it? Did you see it? Uh, in case you didn't, let me show you something in this creation account uh, that, that I, I don't know if you've ever seen. It is, and, and let me give you a little, uh, a little uh, forewarning. In every sermon, at least for me, in every sermon that I prepare, there's a moment where there's a, a wow, I, Lord, that's going to be so good. This is that moment right here. I want you to, I want you to feel this like I do, because there's something in this that I believe is so powerful. It reveals something so good out of the heart of God that I want to make sure you don't miss it. In this section that we just read. Uh, from Genesis chapter two verses five through seven, I want you to notice that God had created Adam's purpose even before he created Adam. He created Adam's purpose. Uh, Adam had, had had not yet been formed, and the Lord said that he had created systems whereby Adam was necessary, for the earth to be all that it was going to be. Remember, it said that the, no plants had come up yet. Why? Because there was no man to work the ground. God had established Adam's purpose even before he created Adam. I want you to know that I think the very same thing is true for you. God made your purpose. He has established your purf- purpose even Before you were formed in your mother's womb. I want you to notice some things. First of all, there were systems in the earth that required man in order for them to function. Let me say that again. There were systems that God had created in the earth that required Adam in order for those systems to function the way they were supposed to. Not only that, but until Adam began to complete his purpose, there were other things that could not fulfill their purpose. Until Adam was brought to be upon the earth, other systems, in this case, the plants and the seeds and the ground giving up its fruit, none of that happened until Adam came on the scene. And thirdly, when Adam thrived in the fulfillment of his purpose, other things thrived as well. Three points. We'll come back to those later. I do want you to notice, however, what happened to all of that purpose when sin entered the world through Adam's disobedience. In order to do that, we need to bring some more uh, scripture in reference to the uh, creation account to bear upon this. We find that in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Stay with me now. We're covering a lot of scripture, but listen to this. Genesis 3, 17 through 19 says this, "...and to Adam..." Now this is God talking to Adam after Adam and Eve have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord has already pronounced judgment on the serpent and upon Eve. And now he speaks to Adam. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. I want you to notice that. God had created Adam to be a... Uh, Almost like a partnership. Adam's fulfillment of his purpose allowed the ground to do all that God had created it to do. Now in Adam's sin, that whole system is changed. Once again, God says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face... You shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Suddenly this most rudimentary of Adam's purposes doesn't function as God created, as He intended for it to function. Adam was to work in cooperation with the systems that God had put in place for the ground to give up its fruit, for the earth to provide for all of Adam's needs. it was There was just this perfect balance that God had created and Adam and the fulfillment of his purpose was a huge part of that. Suddenly sin comes in and all that God had created, all that God had intended gets perverted because of what Adam did. Suddenly as i said the most rudimentary the most basic of Adam's purposes they don't function as God intended to function because of what sin did. I want you to notice if you will let's read on in Genesis let's read we read uh, we read earlier in chapter 2 verses 5 through 7 notice with me if you will Genesis chapter 5 or excuse me Genesis chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. It says this after God had created Adam it says and the Lord God Planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, now this is before Adam's fall. Watch this now, very important. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now that's before Adam's sin. So Adam, here's what I want you to notice. Adam has a purpose, part of his purpose, not the entirety of it, but part of of Adam's purpose created by God for Adam was to work and to keep the garden. God makes the garden. He he places Adam in it and is part of what Adam is supposed to do before Adam comes on the scene. There are no plants that are springing forth out out of the ground because Adam plays a part in what they are to be. It all is set into motion. It is perfect. Adam is living in the garden. He is tending it. He is it. He's working it and keeping it. And the ground is springing up with every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. I believe that Adam and Eve are eating from the tree of life. The Lord told them they could eat from any tree they wanted except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're eating from the tree of life. They're not growing sick. They don't age. They don't die. The ground is functioning. Everything is working perfectly. Adam is fulfilling his God given purpose. And then sin enters the world. I want you to notice that prior to sin, the ground was blessed. After sin, the ground was cursed. Prior to sin, the ground was blessed. But after sin, the ground was cursed. Here's another one. Prior to sin, every good thing sprang up from the ground. Every good thing. When things were functioning the way that God had intended for them to, Adam was living in his purpose and all the systems of the world were functioning as they were supposed to, every good thing sprang up out of the ground. But after sin, thorns and thistles sprang up. Suddenly, There were things introduced into the world, introduced into the systems of the world that were never a part of God's plan. Finally, prior to sin, Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree of life and they lived because of the the blessing and the life that is in it, because the ground is giving up every good thing. But after sin, they began to die. And eventually, something that God never intended, they would return to the ground from where God took Adam and formed him. I want you to see that. That as long as they maintained God's order, they fulfilled their purpose, they lived in the blessing of God, things were blessed, life was everywhere, there were no thorns, there were no thistles, even the things around them functioned as they were intended to do so. Sin entered the world. Now, But I don't want to talk about sin, only I want to talk about the fact that we've been restored. Because, once again, revisiting the Easter story, Christ came to redeem, to restore, to bring us back to the place that Adam lost. The Scripture says that in one man, Adam, in the first man, sin entered, but then in the second Adam, Jesus, uh, that sin was destroyed and we are restored Christ died and was resurrected and we have now been restored. What does that restoration mean? What does it look like? What does it do for us? What do we gain out of that? Number one and some things that have to do with our purpose today. Let's move off of Adam for a second but let's take those same principles and let's look at what it means for you and I to have been restored to our purpose. To have our purpose regained for us. Number one There are things that require you to fulfill your purpose in order for them to function as they're supposed to. Let me say it again. There are things that require you to fulfill your purpose in order for them to function as they're supposed to. Let me give you some more scripture. Genesis chapter 22 verse 18. Let me talk to you some people about some people from the scripture who lived in their purpose and God blessed other things greatly because of them. Genesis 22 18 says this, speaking about Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. That's Abraham living in accordance. Now Abraham wasn't a perfect man. He committed lots of sins but he was in a covenant relationship with God. And because Abraham lived according to his purpose, generation after generation after generation that followed him were going to be blessed because of his obedience. Abraham lived the purpose of God in his life. Let me give you another one from Genesis chapter 39 verse 5. This is speaking about Joseph, Joseph, who had had incredible difficulty in his life and who had been sold into slavery, now comes into leadership in Potiphar's house. And it says this about him from that time, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house And in field, other things begin to function. Potiphar, an ungodly man, a man who's not a follower of Jehovah, because of Joseph's obedience and Joseph living out over the top of the oppression, over the top of the slavery, over the top of all that the enemy had tried to do in his life. He fulfilled the purpose of God in his life. And those around him were blessed. Even those that didn't know the Lord were blessed because Joseph fulfilled his God-given purpose. He was obedient to those things that God had called him to be and to those things God had called him to do. And because he is, things around him function better. Even beyond. Now, how does this apply to you and I? Come on. You live out the purpose of God on your work site. And the business that you work with, I believe, will be blessed. You live out the purposes of God in your school, in your home, in your family, and the systems that are in place there—the relational systems, the economic systems, the physical systems, the just the, maybe the production systems—you live to the fullness of your God-given purpose, and other things will function as they are, without you doing that, the environment around you will never be all that it's intended to be. You've got to do what God has called you to do in order for other things to be all that they were created to be. See, you and I, you're more important than you thought you are. You you may may be the pivot point around which The the creative process in the business that you work in hinges. It might be through the work of the Holy Spirit. You living out the purpose of God for a spirit-filled believer where you are that allows the creative process through you to raise the level of the whole organizational structure. Your whole organization might be blessed and function at its at, at the top of its efficiency, at the top of its capabilities, simply because you, as a person of God, walk in the fullness of God's purpose for your life. There are things that require you to fulfill your purpose in order for them to function as they would. Number two, until you fulfill your purposes, until you fulfill your purpose, others won't either. You say, Pastor Roy, what does that mean? Just, just, what, it's, just what I said. Until you fulfill your purpose, those around you won't either. I don't have it in the scriptures, but Paul told Timothy, you follow me as I follow Christ. Listen, there is something that happens to the environment around a believer Whose heart, whose mind, whose life, whose money, whose time, whose relationships, whose energy is completely dedicated to the things of God. There is something that happens in the environment around that person. There is consequently something that also happens. Now listen, you've seen this before. There is also something that happens when everyone lives. Well, let me just say it in the way that, that I'm thinking it. When sin abounds, destruction takes place. We saw it in the story with Adam and Eve. When people follow the way of God, there is great life that springs forth. And when they follow their own desires, and when they do what they want to do, and they forsake the teachings of of righteousness from the word of God, and when they walk out from under the family of God, life begins to leave. Organizational life, financial life, relational life. If you will fulfill your God-given purpose, others will do so uh, as well. Let me read you a scripture from Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, 16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Now watch this. So that they may see your good works. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about that scripture right there just for a second. That those around you, this doesn't say only those who love the Lord might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I believe anyone around you is subject to be influenced by the good that comes from you fulfilling your God-given purpose. You're not called by God to sort of sort of wallow through life. You're not called by God to, to just maintain or to just survive or well, I'm making it. I'm just barely keep oh, I'm just barely keeping my head up. That's not what God created you to do. The scripture says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He has given you the scripture says everything necessary for life and godliness. He has blessed you with every good gift from on high the scripture says. Come on, you have been made to bring the kingdom of God into the arena that you live in. And you do that by living out in joy, in fullness, in exuberance, the purpose of God in your life. Let me just speak to something else right here for a moment. It's not in my notes and I don't have scripture to back it up. But listen, that purpose just like it was in Adam's life. Now listen, some of you think that your purpose came from your mom or dad or your grandparents or you, you're you in the family business or, or the, the teachers around you influenced you in some way. And that's where you got your purpose. I want you to know that your purpose is God given. Why do I tell you that? Because if you happen to come from a dysfunctional family that was broken and fragmented and you think sometimes that you're the sum total of that, that you'll never rise above that, I want you to know that your purpose didn't come from your dysfunctional family. Your purpose didn't come from the worst moment of your life. Your purpose wasn't defiled by the the mistake that you made younger in life. Your purpose was created before the foundation of the world and God holds it, the, the gifts and the callings of the Lord that without repentance, He has held it for you and when you are restored through what Christ did, your purpose is restored. I believe you can be all that God called you to be, all that he's created you to be. Don't believe the lie of the enemy or the voice of anyone else that tells you that you will never amount to whatever. Come on, you will be. You can do all that God has called you and equipped you and created you to do. Your purpose was established by him, not even by you. So live up to your God-given purpose. When you do, others will as well. They'll be drawn. They'll see your good works and they will give glory to your Father in heaven. Come on. When you glorify the Lord by your, by your example, by your life, by reaching, by growing, by by obtaining, by, by leaning in, by giving your best, by doing what you do with excellence, by not giving a half measure. When you do well, when you, when you do more than anyone else, you bring glory to your Father. When you live up to your purpose, Listen, I don't. I'm not saying that everyone's supposed to get a Ph.D. in astrophysics and 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 fly rocket ships. Listen, not everybody's a rocket science like my good friend uh, brother Jim Bradford is. But listen, y- you have a purpose. They're they're not better. Or see, sometimes in this world we also put a premium on certain things. Well, the ones that make more money, those are better purposes. No, listen, if God has called you to be a, a, a rocket science, then, scientist, and you ought to be a rocket. You ought to be the best rocket scientist in the world. Why? Because you're doing what you're doing is unto the Lord and not unto men. If God has called you. To be a father, you ought to be the best father that God equips you to be. If He's called you to be a mom, be the best mom. If He's called you to, if He's called you to to teach, if He's called you to be a nurse, if He's called you to be a doctor, if He's called you to, if He's called you to 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 have a landscape business, if He's called you to be a bank, whatever it is, whatever God has called you to do, whatever is in your heart and you love, do it with all of your heart, as under the Lord and not men. And as you fulfill your purpose, other people will as well. Let me move on. Number three. When you thrive within your purpose, when you thrive within your purpose, other people will as well. When you thrive within your purpose, other people will thrive in their purpose as well. Let me show you some scriptures that say this. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4 says this, The Lord has made everything for its purpose. Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. You've been made with a purpose. Come on, live up to it. Let me show you another one. Psalm chapter 138, verse 8. Psalm 138, verse 8 says this. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And He won't. The Lord's going to fulfill His purpose for you and for me. Why? Because of His steadfast love. He's a good father. He's a good steward. He's a good shepherd. He's made you to do a thing. He's restored you through the blood of Jesus back to what Adam lost for you and for me. You've been restored to that. Now don't you quit on God's purpose for your life. Let me give you one more. John chapter 7. Verse 37 and 38, John 7, 37 and 38 says this, Jesus, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now we use that scripture in a lot of different ways. I think it has an application right to what we're talking about. Out of your heart, out of who you are, when the scripture uses the word heart, cardia, it speaks to the emotions, it speaks to the intellect, it speaks to the consciousness of a person. It's the sort of the wellspring of who you are. And the scripture says, if you will, through Christ Jesus, fulfill God's purpose for your life, that out of you... It's going to flow a river of living water. My goodness, you could preach a week on, on the possibilities of what that living water will do to the environment that you live in. What would that living water bring to your marriage if you lived up to God's created, restored purpose for your marriage? What would it be if you lived in kindness towards others if the living water in you resulted in kindness to those who aren't kind to you, what if out of you, maybe you maybe you've been a little lazy at times, maybe you only give a half measure, maybe you don't do things your best? What if God's living water got engaged there? What do you think about your production, about about your ability to succeed and and bless your family and bless yourself and 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 achieve and bring excellence to your world? What do you think? That God's living water flowing out of your heart, from out of your heart, Jesus said, out of his heart, out of that person's heart, shall flow rivers of living water. My goodness, everything that it touched would spring to life. Everything that you did would flourish. You'd be like the man. I don't have the scripture on the screen for this. But Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know that scripture. A little bit later in it says, But he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And whatever he does shall prosper. Come on, that's what you've been restored to. You've been restored to live in the purpose of God. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to be tripping over bags of money all the time. Sometimes life doesn't mean rich. Sometimes we do that in our society, but relationally rich and emotionally rich and spiritually. And yes, potentially financially rich. Certainly enough to meet your needs and we talked about that last week. The provision of God is there so that you can be generous. You are blessed in every way to be generous in every way. But out of you would flow rivers of living water. My goodness, what might God do with a group of people that live up to their restored purpose? Let me close this with a story, an illustration if you will. Um I was reminded this week about stories that I should I should tell more stories. I like I love great stories and sometimes for the sake of of digging in the word you forget to I do I forget to think about the things that the Lord has done. Many of you have heard the story of my sort of my broken family, but I want to take you back another generation before that. I don't think any of you have Heard me talk about it. Uh, I'm sure you haven't because I haven't done so. Uh, the generation that came before my father's generation, my grandparents on the Rhodes side, uh, M. L. Rhodes, Martin Luther Rhodes, great name, and Aptly name. He and Leona Bowers Road, that was my my grandmother was Leona Bowers, and then Leona Rhodes. Leona and Martin Luther Rhodes were my dad's mom and dad. Uh, My dad was 45 when I was born, so I only have a few memories of them, but one of the things that I do remember and one of the things that's very clear about who they were is that they were devout Christian people. Uh, They were part of First United Methodist Church in Lake Village, Arkansas. Um, I attended their funerals there as a little boy Um, I remember uh, when both of them died, I was a a young boy, but I remember their deaths. And I remember the funerals there at uh, Lakeside Methodist Church. And the thing that I remember about them was their testimony of life in Christ. I wasn't old enough for that to influence me to, to the way that I might feel it, but I'm sure that it did because just now here's what I want you to notice. One generation from them was my father's generation. Uh, And my dad, uh, wonderful, warm individual, but a lifelong alcoholic. And it disrupted his whole life. And he did not live uh, what uh, by any biblical standard would be a, a, a biblical godly life. So in one generation, one generation which lives to its potential, and then in another generation, and listen, I love my dad dearly, um, but he lived life to fulfill his own desires, not so much the desires of the Lord. And in one generation you went from life and health and purpose and family and solidity to brokenness and dysfunction and decay and alcoholism and divorce and multiple marriages and just a just a, not a good life. That's the life that I grew up in. But watch this. One generation lives its potential. The next generation doesn't. But then there's a moment in between my dad's generation and mine where a restorative process took place. Maybe that's exactly what happened to you. Maybe you come from a background where there is a brokenness. There's a dysfunction. Because watch this. You go from my grandparents' generation, which was a wondrous set of people, solid, family, warmth, godly, to a broken generation. And then just one moment of restoration in my life changed my whole generation. And then look at my kids. Once again, one moment of restoration changes the legacy that follows along behind you. So just because you might come from a place of brokenness and lostness and you might have a lineage of that, it only takes one moment of God's restorative grace for you to begin to live out the purpose of God for your life as I believe I have and my children have and now my grandchildren are One moment of God's restorative grace changes the lineage that follows you. So what are you going to do? What lineage are you going to leave? What's going to be the story that your kids are going to tell? Are you going to be somebody in their life that taught them and that lived out before them the potential of God, the purpose of God? Are you going to live? You've been restored to purpose. Are you going to live that purpose? Are you going to keep chasing after your own ways? Are you going to mimic what Adam did in his fall or what he did in his created purpose? Because you were created to be in fellowship with God. You were created to bring life, to have rivers of living water flowing out of you. How do you do that? You ask the Lord into your life. You experience that moment of restorative grace where you are restored and transformed back to a state where God brings your purpose back online. And then anything becomes possible. As that living water begins to flow through you, it'll touch all those around you. It'll touch your workplace. It'll touch your family. It'll touch your relationships. It'll touch your kids, your grandkids. Rivers of living water will flow out of you and make a difference in everybody's lives. How do you do that? Ask Jesus into your heart today. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Ask Him to come into your life and become your Savior and be restored back to your God-given purpose. Amen? Well, listen, before you leave, uh, earlier in this, uh, you will have heard about the survey that we're doing. Be sure and take that survey. We're trying to gear up for the relaunching when we come back together. We need to know what your concerns are. So take a moment, if you haven't already seen that, down in the link, uh, comments of, uh, of this stream, you'll see a place where you can go do that survey. Uh, Please take time to do that. It's very important to us. If you're not already a part of Pastor Roy's Bible Reading Group, uh, if you're watching this via Facebook, just search in the Facebook search window, Pastor Roy's Bible Reading Group. You'll find it there. If you're on YouTube, you'll have to come to Facebook. Uh, A little over 170 people reading through the Scriptures, about 15 minutes a day. Uh, In a year, you'll read through the whole of the Bible, and it's such a foundational piece for you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank You so much that we have been restored to our God-given purpose. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we don't have to be the sum total of our worst mistake, that through your redemptive work, Jesus, we have been restored to our God-given purpose. And that thing is good, Lord, and it will produce life everywhere it touches. I pray you'd bless each one watching this. Restore them, Father, to their purpose. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.